Dumelangum Zanzi, I am Lulu Nakani, the head of news at Health for Mzanzi, the brand new baby sister of Food for Mzanzi. At Health for Mzanzi, we explore the often complex relationship between health and food. Joining me on this podcast is my colleague Sinesi Potom. Hey Lulu, I'm so ready to be joining you on episode 3 of the Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. If you're still wondering why we are calling this Sisters Without Shame, well, you know those secret medical shames you simply cannot share with anyone else. You don't need to suffer in silence anymore, sweetie. Every week, we will be your sisters in shame holding your hand as we unpack your ailments with an expert who has all the answers to those embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. This podcast is a safe space and there will be no judgment a lot of surprises always but no judgment from us so if you've got a suspicious growth on your bum or maybe your bladder muscles are weakening no problem you have definitely come to the right place babes let's get into it with our friend in crisis segment in every episode we will listen to a voice note read a whatsapp or email message received from a health for mzanzi reader remember your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name unless you want us to sine who is our friend in need this week this week we have an anonymous friend from durban anonza writes hi sine and lulu I am 21 and developed trauma due to severe pain from my circumcision wound becoming infected. I haven't been able to have sex or masturbate manually because I fear my own penis. I was 18 when I got the operation. Because of the infection, I had to be sterilized and put in salt baths, which was painful. I couldn't sleep properly. I couldn't walk because every time I touched my leg, the pain was bad. When I had the operation, I got an infection. Instead of it taking a week to heal, mine took about six weeks. Sleeping was a major issue because my t-shirt would get stuck to my wound. Every morning, I would have to tear the t-shirt off, which was painful. I can only imagine, Sine. My nephew was about four or five when he got the big snip. Watching him heal was just a terrifying experience for me. He was in so much pain. You know, we always complain about period pains, but what I've seen, I felt very helpless. Sure, Lulu, circumcision is such a hot topic in our country and in the world. You know, circumcising your infant child is a topic that is always up for debate. Parents are still confused about what exactly the right choice for their baby boys is. Circumcision in our country is also very much a milestone for different cultures, like your Kosa culture. I just can't wait to uncover the facts about voluntary medical male circumcision. Since 2007, the World Health Organization and the Joint United Nations Program on HIV and AIDS recommended voluntary medical male circumcision as an important strategy for the prevention of heterosexually acquired HIV in men in settings where the prevalence of heterosexually transmitted HIV is high. Sure, Lulu, let's leave all the uncovering to our expert. This week, Limpopo General Practitioner 
Dr. Vusi Koza is joining us from his farm in Guyani. You know, our friend seems to be very distressed from what we have heard. He basically got circumcised in his late teens and a buzzword in the HIV AIDS epidemic especially has been voluntary medical male circumcision. Can you unpack this concept for us? What I can see from our client is you went to initiation school late because preferably what happens is we tend to prefer to send them to go there at an earliest age, at least seven and 10 somewhere there. So 18 years already, you are late. I think one of the main reasons the earlier we do it is because the young ones, they tend to heal quicker, reported less complications. So already at the age of 18, on the other group, which uh, tend to, to have more complications, we have to appreciate the impact of the pandemic HIV. I think it has changed everything because the main concern now, before people will just go there without any concerns in terms of infection spread and, and the risk. When uh, parents decide don't take a child to a traditional male sicam, the dad and the mother, they have to discuss and agree on the issues. But we know that back in the days, the men will predominate the woman. The men will be on the pushing side. With women being given less opportunities to raise their concerns and their wishes in terms of that, male will overrule them. So with the current the HIV pandemic, it has changed things because both parents have to agree and then they have to discuss about the risk. When the two agree, and then they can send patients there. The other issue is that traditionally, the initiates will go there, the surgeon, they will use probably the same blade for a particular number until it's blunt or they change it. So now HIV, I think steps or measures have to be taken to limit that. It should be one blade for one patient. It must be done in a sterile manner where gloves will be changed. They come with a pack. One pack, it's fully equipped for one initiate. The traditional surgeons, they get provided that by the government for the same reason that we must limit the risk and then you should not be restless because you'll never know what the other individuals in terms of the diseases and HIV status because I don't think it's done that patients come there with HIV status before you initiate. So it's just a random voluntary that the parents would be willing to take their children to initiation schools without any basic investigation. So that's actually the issue around HIV with the current circumcision practice. Dr. Vusi, I wanted to find out you know, what kinds of complications can arise from circumcision in adulthood. Complications, there are many. The older they initiate, the higher the complications. One of the complications is bleeding because the penis is a well-vascularized organ, more especially the first. The majority of them, they bleed from the, the lower side. We call it the ventral side the base. And that's where you got nice arterial bleeds there. Arterial meaning to bleed at higher pressures. Usually when you compress those areas, because it's not like a vein which circulates under low pressures, it hardly stops. So you have to tie them. So sometimes the stitches can fall off or sometimes there's a little bit of a clot there and then the surgeon missed it and then the clot is dislodged and then the patient starts bleeding again. The complication of bleeding Usually, if it doesn't stop, patients can bleed, can quite severe in such a way that a patient can become uh, anemic and symptomatic. Uh, the worst is death from that. But we hardly get that because it gets recognized earlier because the bandage or the dressing will be soaked in blood and then uh, quickly get attended. The second complications is infection, more especially if you are old. They tend to have delayed, which is the third and the second the cholera, delayed wound healing. Adults, patients, they've got delayed wound healing. And then that put them at high risk of getting infections.
And then infections, if it doesn't get properly attended, it can lead to some devastating medical, psychological, and, and social implications. Like in our case, our patient, if they got recognized earlier, you give them medication and then you dress appropriately, then you wash appropriately with some antiseptic solutions, they tend to heal. But we know that patients vary from patient to patient, depending on their immune system, depending on their medical conditions. Because some patients become there immunocompromised, either HIV or some other medical conditions that compromise the immune system. Other medical conditions, the, the common ones that we tend to see is patients who are diabetic, but especially these ones, this group are a type 1 because it tends to present earlier. And then uncontrolled glucose, it leads to high risk of infections. The other group, the patients who, are, who have got cancer, blood cancers or lymphomas or any form of malignancy. The third group is the patients that are, have got some immunological problems that are on chronic steroids and that tend to lower their immune system. Those ones, they are at high risk of getting infection. The other complication that we tend to see is trauma. Sometimes the surgeon can cut the glands. The glands is the, what is covered by the foreskin. So depending on the, the method, because usually at the traditional circumcision, they use the same method because these guys, they're chasing numbers. So they do the quick one. They pull the foreskin up, they push the glands away, they clap, and then they cut. Sometimes you can cut the glands there and injure the glands. It's one of the complications there. And then still with infection. When the infection doesn't heal, the penis can become gangrenous. Gangrenous is when uh, you've got false smelling, a discharge of pus there. And then sometimes, which is not common, you can lose the penis. It falls. When we talk gangrene, it means the tissues there they are not viable. And then uh, the healing, it's very, 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 very unusual. It's another complication that we tend to see. Those are from the medical point of view. Depending on the complications, the impacts on social and psychological well-being, it's related to the duration as well. Because when you're with the initiates and then the other ones, they heal quicker. And then when uh, on your other side, you are not healing. And then others, they tend to mobilize quicker. Your bed bonded because of the complications. That's actually stressful on itself because there are some other activities that need to be done there besides being sitting there. So obviously you won't have enough time to go and do those activities because you'll be in pain, obviously. Depending on the severity, you'll be weak sometimes. So that can be very stressful because when the time finishes, there are some expectations that you need to have attained or achieved. So you'll be left behind. And then that one can actually be very quite stressful psychologically. You paint quite a bit of a horror story for me, you know, and then I'd also like to step into speaking of these activities. I think uncircumcised men always face a lot of stigma in the bedroom, especially. If it is a hygiene issue, if you still do have a foreskin, why can't you just keep it? It plays a key role as well, because you remember the foreskin, it avoid lens, it secretes some fluids there to lubricate that lens. So moist areas, the germs, they like it. So bacteria can actually accumulate the fungus. It can lead to very thick discharge or yellow discharge sometimes called as magma. And then that can be quite offensive and it can be embarrassing as well. When the penis is not erect, the foreskin will cover that lens. So when it erects, the foreskin, it retracts backward and then it can expose rashes or discharges that accumulates there on the area. So if you don't wash it properly, and then it accumulates, you got infection, you get the smegma, 
it can be very offensive and then that can be embarrassing to the individual itself. But especially if, let's say, your partner questioned you on it, so you can feel quite embarrassed. So definitely the hygiene plays a very key role there. Obviously, there are some other benefits of circumcision, but the hygiene in the bedroom takes quite a lift. We have heard them say that, you know, the vagina is self-cleaning, but now with penises, it works kind of differently. We had a very bad case last year. The lady, she bends the private part so bad. I think they went to a sangom and then they said, no, then you need to clean the vagina so that it can be sterile. I think probably she had some medical problems because obviously sometimes in most cases, these patients are frustrated and then that's where they seek some alternative means of help. You got sick and then you don't get proper medical attention. The condition continues. And then when it continues, you go to the doctor or you go to a clinic, they give you certain medication or they give you similar medication and then it doesn't help. And then that's where you end up going to other aspects of help. And that's where you, you can be advised all sorts of things which doesn't have evidence. So definitely it works more like the same. The first skin, it secretes fluids. The fluids, it lubricates the area, the glands. Because of the moist area there, in a private part like a vagina, we know that candida infection is quite common there because of the moist, the secretions that uh, come from there. And then so the fungus will know it likes the moist area. So more like the same thing that happens here. You said that it's better to get circumcised when you're younger, you know, than when you're older. Like I'll make an example of the closer counter. People normally get circumcised in grade 11 or, you know, grade 12. Does medical circumcision ruin the cultural initiation process for populations that practice traditional circumcisions of males? Not exactly. Partly, yes. We know that traditional circumcisions in those areas, the Eastern Capes, the Kosas, part of the Limpopo, part of Free State, the Zulus, where it's predominantly a practice, there is that ongoing beliefs and cultural beliefs that you need to go there so that you will be seen as a real man. What happens, you will find that even the patients, that the boys that goes to the Western medical circumcisions, after they've been circumcised and then they heal, they go home, then there's traditional circumcision school, their parents they still take them there. I think it's not necessarily for the circumcision per se. I think it's mainly for the activities that happens there so that children can get exposed. They don't feel like they are inferior to others who went there because predominantly that's actually the myth or the, the teachings. It goes around, more especially if you didn't go there. Those activities that I was talking about, that if you are sick, obviously you'll be spared from those activities because you'll be better than while others have been uh, doing some other activities, taught some other things, singing some songs, some rules that they tell you about. So you'll be limited for those things. I think the driving factor here in terms of the trend, the current trend that we're seeing now is parents, they tend to take their children for this Western medical circumcision. And then afterward, they take them to traditional circumcisions, mainly for the activities that happens there, and then for them to be seen not less inferior than the other group or their peers that actually goes there. So that's actually the, the current trend that we see now. Going to the Western circumcision doesn't necessarily hinder you to go to the traditional circum as well. So majority of the patients, some are fine, go for the Western medical come is fine. You don't necessarily need to go there. But they, it also depends on the environment, where you are, where you are, you know, where you are based. So those who are staying internships, they don't usually bother much. 
the patients that are in the rural areas, the areas which these practices are predominantly been practiced, those are the ones that tend to go to traditional SICAM even after they went for formal Western SICAM. The reigning is actually the fear of medical risk of infections. So that's why they tend there because majority of the leaders, they know what's happening. They know, okay, if you can go there, you get circumcised this side. When you come this side, you don't necessarily get circumcised. You just go through that process. And then the teachings there, you get exposed to the behavior there so that when you come out, you are assumed that you are not inferior than the people who didn't go there. So exactly that's actually what we, we see now. The complex relationship, I think, means relationship with health, I think. Because mm. basically what you're doing is you're proving that you're man enough to be able to, you know, survive like those kinds yes. of situations that they are put in. You have been prepared for, let's say, for a hard time that has not happened. So that when you get there, you won't struggle. Or the current norms, the mama's baby kind. So you can be able to stand for yourself, to stand for the challenges. That's exactly the teaching that they actually, the practices that you get exposed to. That's why the issue of the inferior, superior comes in. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, what can be done to better men's health in the country then, you know? The main option that we have is education, 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 education. When you educate them, we know that not all of them, they will tend to buy your story. You know, how, especially African men, we don't want to get we say we don't want to be convinced easier until we see it. It's like when the issue of HIV pandemic of HIV came in, people didn't believe it until patients uh, started to get sick. And then that's where they start to understand these things. So I think if you can emphasize on the issue of education and education, we know that uh, sometimes they won't understand on the first day. But uh, in terms of repentance, if we continue to educate them, one or two, they agree. And then the next teaching another one or two the next teaching another one or two and then uh, by so doing i think the numbers will increase and then people need to understand these things and then that's the main tool that has been proven to be effective educations i think if we educate them so that they can change their mindset because these beliefs that are actually fixed in the mind the more we educate them the better they understand these things does the foreskin protect against other diseases not necessarily so the protection that we know is against some mild trauma or friction because it just protects the lens. The other advantage to produce some flows there that lubricate the lens. There are some disadvantages that is associated with it. The focus that we tend to see in terms of circumcision versus non-circumcised, it was mainly focused on HIV infection, where the main difference was found to be the less infections rate in terms of the diseases, HIV, these viruses, there was one article which they said that when you're circumcised, their partners were less to have a risk of cervical cancer. But you remember cervical cancer, is, we usually say it's sexually transmitted disease because the etiology, it's human papillomavirus, which also it is found to be less in circumcised individuals than the uncircumcised ones. It would make sense for that study when it's found that the uncircumcised partners, majority of them, they had a little bit of high risk of getting a cervical cancer. Other than that, the sensation is the same. Sexuality is the same. There's no much difference, per se, in terms of that, except for the, for the transmission of diseases, more especially the viruses, the human papilloma and HIV. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Vusikosa. 
Remember to check out the detailed article on the pros and cons of medical circumcision on healthformzanzi.co.za. To write to Sisters Without Shame, email hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. That's H-E-L-L-O at healthformzanzi.co.za. You can even shoot us a WhatsApp on 076-132-0454. That's 076-132-0454. Well now, Sine, episode 3 has been an interesting one for Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. But as promised, this is a no-holds-barred podcast and we discuss with the little awkward dilemmas that people deal with daily. Sine, what is the take-home message this week? I don't think I have just one take-home message this week, Lulu. First of all, I think it is alarming that when compared to women, Men will avoid going to the doctor, skip more recommended screenings, and practice risky behavior. A clear example is the halabaloo in Gauteng, where men are, you know, becoming more vaccine hesitant. And also the smegma business, Lulu. Good hygiene is really good manners, and uncut penis clearly requires a lot more effort. If you don't regularly clean under the foreskin, bacteria, dead skin cells, and oil can cause smegma to build up. Let's up in, guys. Cut or uncut, I really think what Dr. Koza's insights about men breaking free from this tough guy stereotype is important. You know, men are notoriously bad patients. Even Brajo Pasha said it himself that men are just as risky in the age of COVID-19 than they were in the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Just take care of yourselves, bo brothers. That brings us to the end of episode 2 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. From me, Lulu Nakani. And from me, Sinesi Potom. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. <laughs>